This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Michal Sela, may her memory be blessed, was a vibrant soul whose life was tragically cut short on October 3rd, 2019, at the age of 32. Her husband was convicted of her brutal murder, shedding light on the pervasive issue of domestic violence that plagues our society. Sadly, Michal's story is not an isolated incident. Around 20 women meet similar fates each year in Israel alone. The statistics on violence against women in Israel paint a grim picture, highlighting the urgent need for action. Despite advances in technology and information accessibility, domestic violence continues to claim lives at an alarming rate. And recognizing this dire need, the Michal Sela Forum emerged, spearheaded by Michal's sister, Lily Benami. Through her tireless efforts and innovative approach, Lily seeks to revolutionize the way we address and prevent domestic violence. Our guest today is Lily Benami, the visionary behind the Michal Sela Forum. As the founder and CEO, Lily has dedicated her life to leveraging technology and innovation in the fight against violence towards women. Her groundbreaking work has garnered international recognition from winning prestigious prizes to speaking at the United Nations. Through her leadership and advocacy, Lily is reshaping societal norms and advocating for a future where every woman can live free from fear and violence. We are more than honored to be joined by her today to talk about Michal, the Michal Sela Forum, and rising from tragedy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Eitan and all. Maybe um, to start, we can honor Michal's uh, memory by you telling us a little bit about her. Who was uh, she? Who was she for you? Michal is my young sister. Um, she was murdered in 2019 when she was 32 years old. Uh, she's eight years younger than me. Uh, she was a social worker. She graduated uh, her master degree from the Hebrew University. She was the top of her class, and she uh, finished uh, all her duties to the degree ten days before the murder. She didn't knew that she uh, her grades were uh, she was excellent in her grades because after the murder, uh, the Hebrew University contacted me and they gave me the diploma for her amazing work there. Um, she met the murderer, her husband, uh, at work. They worked together at Achuta uh, Meshulash. It's a center for youth at risk in Jerusalem. Uh, she was a social worker. He was uh, a guide. And uh, you can understand that both of them were surrounded with professionals. They fell in love there. After six months, they got married. And after one year that they were married, he murdered her very brutally when, when she tried to break up with him. She wanted to divorce. Uh, it says in the murder trial also by the judges, um, there was no physical violence before the murder. Um, I was the last person to see Michal alive. I was with her one hour and a half before the murder. We were together at uh, 
a workshop of women in uh, where in my moshav, moshav bedzait. It's near Jerusalem. We were together that night, and uh, we were having fun. And uh, when the that night ended, uh, she dropped me at my house. I live two minutes away from her house, so she dropped me off at my house in her car. And uh, the last sentence, the last words she told me were. She were, was looking to, uh, she parked near my house. We were sitting in the car. I was talking to her, like, you know, two sisters. We were in good mood. And then she was looking at our phone and she said, Eliran, it's her husband, uh, he can't put the baby to sleep. They, ha they had an eight-month-year-old baby that was still breastfeeding. So she was saying, Eliran can't put the baby to sleep. I must come back home uh, to help him. It was quarter to midnight. And I told her, oh, you should uh, ask our sister Liat. She's expert with uh, baby sleeping. She helped parents. And this was the last sentence I told her. I went inside to my home. Two hours later, uh, one hour, one and a half hours later, um, between one to three uh, at night, he murdered her. Uh, she came home. I guess, uh, again, she talked to him about getting a divorce. And again, he said he, he doesn't agree. And now I know that uh, she talked to him many times about wanting to get a divorce. He was very jealous at her. He was all the time suspicious. Where do you go? What do you do? Who are you talking to? Even that night at the workshop, before she arrived at the workshop, he called the guide and he told her, my wife is supposed to get there. And, and the, the guide, she was a witness in the murder trial, like me. I was also a witness in the murder trial. And the, the guide said it, it was strange that, you know, husband of one of the participants is calling me, but, you know, it's, she didn't do, you know. It. So he was like watching her every move and she couldn't stand that. Michal was like a butterfly. She's a free person. Nobody will tell her what to do, what to say, where to go. She's very strong. And this is why she wanted to break up with him. And that night again, she she talked to him. Probably they had a fight, and and then she decided she's leaving now. She's she won't stay any other minute, and she went to take her stuff from her closet. She prepared a, a bag for the baby. We know because we found the bag with many clothes for like three days, and there was also uh, you know baby food, materna, the the powder. Uh, so she arranged everything and she, she went to her closet and over there, for the first time in her life, he beat her. First time that he used physical violence was the last time. And we know we, I was the person that took her stuff from the apartment. I was the only person from my family that, that went in there. So you can see the, her closet. All the shelf in her side are broken and the door is also broken. He ripped out the door and broke it in two, the door of the closet in her side. And uh, he beat her with uh, his hands and with the, the, the closet door. And then, the first, then he went to the kitchen to bring knives. He, he stabbed her with two knives. The first stab was next to the baby crib. She went to the baby uh, room her crib and over there 
the police they found uh, there was a big uh, blood um, puddle of blood pond, a pond yeah. of blood this is the first place where he stabbed her after he beat her in the bedroom and um, he stabbed her to death and then he stayed 17 hours. She cried for help, by the way, the neighbors. Each one said that he thought another neighbor will call for help. No one called for help. They heard. It was in Ramat Moza. It's, uh, it's, it's, the houses are really near each other. It's medoragim. Uh, it's, you know, like in Hebrew, we say uh, like steps, the houses. So, uh, and after 17 hours, he was in the house with her. She's bleeding to death. Uh, he left the house with the baby, went to the neighbors and said, uh, me and my wife would try to kill ourselves. This was his first version after he changed it. But um, and then the police came and, and everything. And um, it was for us, it was like a, a thunder in a bright day. We didn't see anything, anything. I, I can tell you that I even I never heard them fighting. I never heard him raising his voice. He was like very nice to everyone. Prince Charming, like when I get to know him for, for the first time and I, and I see how he acts and behave, I was like, no, it's, it's, he's, it's not a surprise that Michal chose him. He's very kind. He likes to help, likes to help everyone. He's like social the, worker. He was not a social ah, worker. He, he was a guide okay. in the this place. But he he was like, I can give you an example on our family WhatsApp. One day, my other sister Liat she wrote, "I have a bad tire, and I'm with my children in the car. Anybody can come and help me. I'm stuck." So he left his work and he went to help her with the flat tire. And then she she sent us a picture from the WhatsApp in the whatsapp family group look eliran is such an angel he came to help me and uh, he, he fixed my flat tire so who who would leave his work to help his sister-in-law with her flat tire he was very nice you know this is the person i knew and they were only one year married and we were shocked not only us the family that we didn't see nothing not even fight nothing Michal also, she didn't said anything. We didn't knew that she wanted to divorce him. She didn't tell. I, I didn't knew that, that she's talking to him every day almost about a divorce. I knew it only after the murder because we had, a, you know, there was a trial investigation. And and after two years, I also received her phone, her WhatsApp and uh, her diary. She wrote a diary all her life. Michal wrote diaries. And she wrote until she was murdered. We have her, her last diary. It was an evident evidence in the trial sentence, and it was full of blood. And also there she wrote, I, uh, I want a divorce. And she didn't tell anyone about that? She, Not she, even friends? She had a friend friends. that she shared with her that she wants to get a divorce. I talked to her friend. She didn't, she knew that Michal is suffering in this relationship, but she told me, Lily, who could imagine a murder? You know, you say, okay, I'm with you. I'm supporting you. you, you we're together. We'll go through this together with a divorce. I will help you. This was her friend. This is how she reacted. Her friend had no idea Michal's life is, are in danger. And 
as I said, Michal was surrounded with professionals, also him, and nobody suspicious, nobody, you know, both of them, they don't have a record in the welfare uh, authority or in the police authority, clean uh, um, papers for both of them. I mean, it was really a thunder in a bright day for everyone. Everybody was shocked. Do you think Michal had any idea? Was there evidence in her diary or in her WhatsApp that she had any kind of idea that that this could be a possible outcome or that maybe there was at least danger of violence of some type? Michal, I can tell you for 100% had no idea that she's in danger. Yeah. In this aspect, the physical aspect, she suffered from emotional violence. The, the the fact that you have no privacy, that your partner is snooping on your phone, going everywhere you're going, he's checking over you. She was really offended by his behavior, his obsessive behavior, the fact that he was suspe suspecting all the time that she's cheating on him, which was not true. Um, she was she really suffered terribly she, uh, her pain was huge but emotionally and she had no idea she said to herself i'm strong i won't make my parents worried i won't make my family worried i can do it by my my own hands i can deal with it i can break up with him this is what she thought she and this is the key because if michal would imagine that she might be in danger she would act differently and she was here with us today the need to know that you or your loved one might be in danger it's a basic need this is why we put seat belts when we sit in the car this is why we put a lotion against the sun when we go outside we you know this is why we take care of our parents our family we we know you know we know about dangers i don't know like car accident or like cancer, COVID-19. So you take a vaccine, you guard your life, your loved one life. But what, what about danger from a relationship? And about this, people don't talk. They don't talk about the signs. And I found that we could have saved her, that there are signs. And I'll tell you another thing, those signs for a dangerous relationship, for a lethal relationship, are international. It's everywhere. So, in the retrospect, same. you say we could have spotted the signs if we had the knowledge. If Michal forum was it, it was exist that back then, Michal was alive. I can tell you for sure, for one hundred percent, because she would know she's in danger. In Michal forum, we we developed a tool that allows you to know that you might be in danger when there is no physical violence. But do you think it's a bit uh, sensitive, but do you think, I think there's a difference between not knowing and being in denial, right? She was not in denial. She told him, I want to break up with you. Mm -hmm. There was no denial and there was no physical violence. So where is the denial? Like because um, she was a professional, like sometimes you have the knowledge, right? But you don't put yourself so I in, sat in the with scene. the I sat with the the um, professors of her in the Hebrew University, and I asked them, "Do you teach about the danger that might be uh, in a relationship when there is no physical violence?" And they said, "No, mm -hmm. you need to do uh, an internship and uh, and and to take a special course in social work 
if you want to be expert in domestic violence. And she didn't took this expertise. So it, it's not in the mandatory courses. So, and, and I asked them another thing. I did it after she was murdered, six months, I did investigation. I sat with everyone, with ministers, with shelters, um, directors, and with many, many, um, with domestic violence experts and with many, many women that are victims that they stop me in the street and they tell me their stories. In Israel, people recognize me. By the way, sometimes even uh, in other countries, when I go to talk there, so sometimes there are women that identify me and, and stop me and tell me their private story. So in the past four years, I heard thousands of stories and I'm not um, exaggerating. Uh, I can tell you that before that, in my previous life, before my sister was murdered, I didn't even knew one story for real, only from TV, from, uh, you know, the movies. I never, never in my life, someone told me that they were suffering from domestic violence. And today I have thousands of people sharing me every day, people calling me that I don't know them and they, they ask to talk to me about their story. So I can tell you after doing this investigation, I put the puzzle together. And one of the things that I learned that it's a golden rule. If your partner is obsessive to you, he's jealous and obsessive. Where do you go? What do you do? He's addicted to controlling you, addicted to controlling you. You might be in danger and you should never break up by yourself. You should never break up. This is a golden rule. Never break up by yourself. You should uh, get consult, uh, consult with an expert and, and, and uh, do it with, uh, with another person. Never do it by yourself. So, so this golden rule, it's not so complicated. You know, if you suffer from obsessive jealousy from your partner, partner, never break up by yourself. So I asked in the university, do you tell this to those social worker in, in the first and second degree? Do you, do you tell this to your student? And they told me no. They don't tell it. So only again, only if you get expertise in domestic violence. So Michal, she didn't knew that she's in danger. She she knew she she she's felt suffering. something was wrong, though. She she knew she she, she was not yeah, suspecting. But she didn't imagine she he would. She said this is wrong. She said the way he's uh, um, behaving, mm -hmm. it's wrong. I have her, I have her, um, her phone uh, conversation with him. Also, mm -hmm. the, the judges had it. So we know exactly what she told him and how he answered her. Mm -hmm. And you see everything like the book that he was gaslighting her. You're imagining everything is in your, in your head. Why do you tell your friend, leave it between man and, and his wife. You shouldn't take out the dirty laundry outside. You should talk to me about it. He was angry at her when she was sharing with her friend. You know, this is part of the method. Leave, leave it inside the house. Domestic violence, the, the violence, it occurred when nobody sees when the window is closed, the door is closed. So he's doing it inside the house. He won't do it in the street. It's controlled. Mm -hmm. It's not snap. He's, uh, he's very angry and he's, uh, this is another kind of uh, attacker. There are two kinds of uh, aggressors. One is like my, um, the one that killed my sister, that is narcissist psychopath and he's controlling his behavior and he's doing it when nobody sees inside the house and he's gaslighting her and he's doing many manipula manipulation to m make her not share anyone and he's isolating isolating her from her friends and her family etc 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 and there's another type 
of a person that is attacking his family, his wife and his children. And this is like a, a person that uh, is, uh, he has anger issues and he can be angry to the teacher, to the kupat cholim, you know, uh, the doctor. Uh, he has alcoholism problem. He maybe have a criminal record. This is another type of person. I'm not talking about that. And there, there will be physical violence also from first step, uh, earlier steps. I'm talking about the first kind that it's harder to see. They're con. This is a con man. He is the marriage. You're marrying to, to someone that is not the real person. He's having a mask. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a wolf with a mask of a sheep. Mm -hmm. Sheep's clothing. So, so you gave us one of the golden rules, which I think is great because it's, it's simple. Like it's very easy to remember, right? If, if your partner is obsessed and jealous all the time don't break up alone so that's that's a good rule i think that that everybody should remember and should spread like you know not necessarily our listeners but uh i mean maybe possibly our listeners but also you know talk with your friends and family about it and you know you know people your connections if you ever hear something like this make sure that rule is known if if someone is in a relationship with someone obsessive and jealous Make sure they know not to break up with that person alone. D can you give us like the next two golden rules that you would say that you would want everybody to know? There are five signs that you can identify that you might be in danger when there is no physical violence. We, we, did, it, uh, we did a campaign about it. We call it the five red flags in a relationship. So I will uh, tell you those five red flags. And if you identify them, please never break up by yourself. Don't talk about breaking up to this partner and call for professional help from a domestic violence expert. So those five flags, the first one is uh, he's obsessive. He's snooping on your phone everywhere you go. He needs to know every minute of the day. This is the first one. The second one is two faces relationship that is one person inside the house and another person outside of the house. Also, you find yourself doing two faces to your friend, to your family. Also, your best friend, she finds herself also behaving with two faces because she's uh, she, she, sometimes she doesn't like him, but she will make a face like she like him because she doesn't want him to break, to make her apart from her friend. So all the two faces is the second uh, flag. The third flag is uh, gaslighting, making you feel smaller. Everything is your fault. For the fourth is uh, he's very um, sensitive in extreme way. If you want to break up with him, he, he will tell you, I'm, I will kill myself. Uh, he, he will do anything so you won't break up. And you, you walk on eggshells in your own home. You walk on eggshells. And the fifth is the martyr. The Akadosha Meuneh, the martyr, he is also a victim and an aggressor. The martyr, martyr, yeah. A victim and aggressor. He yeah. can cry what happened to him, to his family, his childhood, uh, don't leave me. He will cry with tears, but he can be also very, very aggressive. It's like two, uh, two tips of a stick. Uh, so he has both of them. So this is the five uh, signs. And you can find it also on our website, the Michal Sela Forum. And we have many examples to each one of the flags. If you identify this, you might be uh, in a toxic relationship and you should check it. 
The thing I'm thinking about though is that um, those rules are very. I have a feeling you're about to ask the same. The question. same question, yeah. Those rules are very effective to certain societies, certain cultures, but once. PC warning, PC warning. Once you go to more primitive cultures, like for example in Israel, the Arab culture, Muslim Arab culture, all the ultra-Orthodox culture, some sects of it, then you find it's not... You're talking about when it's psychological, but sometimes it's about culture and more primitive culture. So entire societies, men are raised to behave like that with their women. So what do you do then, you know, if a woman in Yemen would listen to this podcast, like every woman, let's, every second woman. If she's having those it. flags, so she's suffering from violence, uh, even if she's in Yemen or in any other culture. I can tell you that in Israel, uh, the Muslim, Muslim culture, so 50% of the women being murdered in their own home are Muslims in Israel, although there are only 20% in the population. You mean... You see that in many cultures that they are patriarchal, um, how do you say? Patriarchal. Patriarchal. Yes. Um, you can see there is more violence toward women. Um, many times it's, uh, it's also violence we can see, uh, physical violence. But those signs, those flags are the same flags everywhere, all over the world. And I can explain it in a different, uh, in other words. Um, the violent partner, the, this aggressor, this attacker, uh, predator, I know in English you use the word predator, um, he is addicted to controlling his partner, sometimes his children, which means he sees them as part of him. So if she's going, it's his. She can't leave. They will do anything that she won't leave. This is why when she lives with him, he needs to control control every aspect of her life, like uh, how much money she's spending, uh, where did she go, with who, about what she's talking about, what she's posting on the social media. This is controlling. But that's basic ba values of entire cultures. It's violence. The, no, the, fact, that, the, the fact that you, you, know you think though? that uh, some cultures think that it's normal to spy on your friend and don't get uh, no, to, on your partner. The, the woman is and, your, your and, possession. And the word, it's violence. It's, it's not, and, it, and in many, there are cultures, as I said before, that there is more murder, more violence against women. And this is something that in, in the Western culture, um, like what happened to my sister, we couldn't recognize it because it was, you know, like tr transparent. M it was a transparent violence. Michal, she, know, she knew that she's feeling uh, this is bad what is happening between them, but she didn't know that she's in danger. And this is what I'm, this is the myth I'm um, breaking here, that emotional violence can be lethal violence. But statistically, like, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, 90% of the cases, it won't add up with murder, right? It, like, most couples would live this life on this spectrum, the woman will suffer, but she probably most of the times she won't break up. She there will be like a status quo, right? But she will probably won't get murdered, right? Most most of the, um, the women that suffer from domestic violence won't get murdered. It's true. Uh, half of the women that are that were murdered by their partner 
there was no physical violence, half, they, which means they didn't knew that they are in danger. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't need to go to murder. Also, many women that suffer right now from domestic violence, they need to know to recognize it because when it's transparent, especially when there is gaslighting, you might think maybe it's in my head, maybe um, it's all my fault, like he told me. And when you have those five flags, it's help you to do, to understand, to have a reflection, to have uh, signs that tell you you're not imagining this. This is wrong, what you're experiencing. And you, you, there is a way to get out safely. There is steps. What you're experiencing, there are so many other women that experience the same thing exactly. And, and uh, as I said, the, the patterns are the same patterns. And knowing that, the knowledge is life-saving, even if we're not talking about murder. I think at the, at the core of it, there's uh, the there's like a, a more fundamental lesson for all women, not just regarding violent, uh, physically violent or potentially lethal relationships, but just about toxic relationships and understanding what might be, of course, not to minimize, you know, the, 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 the real danger and risk that, that exists, but I'm saying these are, even if they're to a lesser degree, it's, it's all signs of toxicity in a relationship. You don't yes. want a partner that's obsessive or that's two-faced or that controlling doesn't. Controlling you. That's controlling you. But I guess, I guess my, uh, what I wanted to ask before was, was there any thought about like, how do we make the line clear, right? Because you don't want to like, you don't want to instill doubt into relationships that are healthy and have people constantly thinking like, wait, maybe this is a toxic relationship. Maybe I should like, or, or do you think that when it is toxic, it's just, it should be clear enough and people will recognize it. Um, I can give you a tool how to identify when a jealousy is over the line. Okay. Okay. Um, a, a domestic violence expert uh, named Ziv Raz, he told me that. Uh, he said, when the emotion becomes uh, an act, mm. when the emotion is becoming an act, which means he told me like that. He said, Lily, you might be angry sometimes on, on people and it's okay, also me, we can be angry. But when the anger become a, that you hit someone, this is, uh, it's when the emotion went to an act, it's uh, 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 over the line. And when we talk about jealousy, maybe you are jealous to your, uh, to your girlfriend or boyfriend, but when the jealousy becomes an act, for example, uh, you can't go with your friends. So this is going uh, over the line. This is how you know there is a red light. But what now, if uh, I have, sorry to cut you, but what if I have a girlfriend and she's seeing, she has a male friend and I think there's something there and I tell her, listen, I don't want you to see him anymore. You know, like sometimes it can happen in a relay or vice versa, right? It's not always that clear. Sometimes it's, it could be a legitimate ask. Yes, of course. There are many, many, many cases that it can be like you said, <laughs> legitimate. Um, I can tell you that if someone is there, they know they are there. You have a gut belly. I always say, listen to your gut belly. Um, and, but many times we don't know, we have a gut belly, okay? But we don't know that we might be at risk. And to know if you're at risk or not, there is a, a proven tool 
It calls um, the questionnaire to assess a risk, a questionnaire to assess the risk. They have it in the police, they have it in the welfare authority, and they have it in the um, uh, health authority and the um, welfare authority. So where there is a woman that uh, might be a victim of domestic violence, they, they use this tool and they can tell black and white if she's in danger. So this thing that people think that it's gray and it's complicated and maybe we can't say. So I say we can say we can know you just need the expert. One of the problems in, in everything that has to do with the relationship that everybody thinks that can give an advice. The, the best friend, the lawyer, the psychologist, the, the psychiatric uh, that I go to, uh, the people think that they can give an advice. And people should know that the field of domestic violence, there is an expertise. Not everyone can give an advice. And there was a, a story now in Israel, um, Rachel Buchbut, she was murdered by her husband uh, recently. Uh, her uh, young, her uh, son, 15-year-old, tried to protect her and he was stabbed too, but he's alive. So Rachel, she was suffering exactly what I told you. He was spying on her. He was jealous at her. They, they are Haredi. And uh, he was sure she's having an affairs and she wasn't. And he said, let's go to the rabbi. And they went to the rabbi and the rabbi agreed to take her phone, like the husband asked. Husband, the husband tell, told the rabbi, you, you take her phone because she's, she's cheating on me. And the rabbi took her phone. And if the rabbi had, if the rabbi knew those five signs, the five flags, Rachel was alive today. But the rabbi didn't knew to tell them, stop, let's consult, take a con let's consult an expert. And, and Rachel was murdered and her children are orphan, orphans. Um, what I'm saying, it's, it, we should know to identify the signs and go check. Like, you know, when there is, um, uh, I have a new mole. I have a new mole. I know if it's not symmetric, I should go and have a, an expert check it. Not my friend, not my lawyer. An expert should check my mole. Exactly here, the same. You see those signs? Go check it. That's it. I'm not saying yeah. you are in danger, but I'm saying go and check it. And this is what people should know. I would, I would also say, like, again, I'm not an expert, so I don't want to end up giving advice here. That, that, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I would imagine in a situation like that, that it's, not, uh, it's not making an ultimatum, right? Like, you, I think a healthy relationship or a healthy conversation around if you think your partner is seeing someone and then making you uncomfortable is saying, hey, this makes me uncomfortable. And then you have a conversation about it and... Maybe their partner says, hey, this person's really important to me. And you reach a happy medium or whatever. Your partner ends up deciding to not see that person because you're more important to them, whatever. But the difference is when you come to someone and say, you can't see this person anymore. And then you, you, make, a, you make an ultimatum out of it. That's obsessive mm -hmm. jealousy, right? That's like, you can't see this. No, a normal non-toxic relationship is saying, I know this, you, you know, you have a friend, but it makes me uncomfortable that you guys meet and having a conversation about it. Um, but I want to ask about, um, about your, your sister's murder and you described it. And I know I've noticed by the way that you have, uh, you've not mentioned his name. Um, Malul, the murderer. Okay. Uh, what do you, what do you think? I won't generalize. I'll say him. 
What do you think he deserves? Death. Okay. I think if he took a life, you have no rights, nothing. And uh, unfortunately, in Israel, murderers, um, they, they go to vacation outside of the prison with no electronic bracelet. We had many cases in Israel that uh, murderers during vacation from jail um, did another murder. There was the murder of uh, Hanoch Danman. Um, he is a soldier that was murdered. His murderer uh, was on vacation and he murdered his wife in Tel Aviv. There are murderers that ran away to another country during their vacation, like the murder of the taxi driver Derek Roth. So his murderer ran away and only after 10 years, the Interpol found them and brought them back to prison. And although in Israel, they keep on feeling mercy on those mur murderers and given, give them uh, rights. For example, um, the murderer of Anat Flinner, she's a lawyer, mother for children, a 15 year old knocked on her door and mur murdered her. Uh, so because he was only 15 year old, they give her, give him uh, for life, uh, not to, not to know his name. I don't know, Chisayon. How do you say? Confidentiality. Uh, confid on his name for life, which means <coughs> he's gonna get out of jail when he's 29, and he might marry your brother, uh, your sister, or your brother, and and you would never know that he sat in on, in jail for murder. So I think, you know, Chazal. Um, how do you say Chazal in the English? Sages. Are smart people from. Uh, Back from the, the year of, for Mishnah and Talmud, the Jewish people. So they said, um, if you pity on cruel people, you will be cruel to uh, the mercy uh, merciful people. And this is what happened in the law system in Israel. Um, we are, our punishment are not severe enough. And How many ma years did he get? The murder of my sister, his name is Eliran Malul, he got life sentence because he was charged with um, uh, murdering her in a vicious way. Uh, way. There are two kinds of uh, uh, murders in Israel and he was in charge with a more severe uh, murder. So he got life sentence. But the way, the, what it means... Without the option of parole? So it means, this is how it goes in Israel. If you get life, which is the most... A severe punishment in the whole book. Um, it means you're supposed to die in prison, but it never happened in Israel. What happened is that after seven years, he can go to the president of Israel and he can ask that they will, uh, uh, in Hebrew you say, to give him a number of years. So the president give him, okay, it's not for life, it's for 30 years. In the minute he get this number of years, for example, 30 years from the president, he start to get benefits. What it means benefits? Vacations, school, and cut of third of the punishment for good behavior. So then you will sit only 20 years, not 30 years, because they can cut third. Which almost always happens. Yes, so they get out. And in Israel, there is no place where they publish all the murderers or pedophiles or rapists list. There is no list like this in Israel. In the internet, there is nothing. Uh -huh. So there are murderers that I know because their victim, uh, the sister victim, the victim is dead, but her sister called me. She's 70 years old, the sister today. And she was calling me. She said, Lily, I'm calling you from the grave of my sister. She was murdered 30 years ago. Her murderer is now free 
and nobody knows about him. And you Google his name, he's nowhere because it was 30 years ago. And, and after a while, so he was free. Nobody knows he set 30 years for killing his wife very viciously with the, with, it was terrible, the, this murder. And a few, a few months later, I receive another phone. Uh, an elderly woman is calling me and she's saying, I dated uh, this man and, and I found out by an accident that he's a convicted uh, uh, murderer. How do ah. The released uh, convict. Re released convict that he set in murdering his wife. I really, I found it by accident after dating him for a year. They were dating for one year. And I want to ask you if I'm, I'm in danger, how I'm going to break up with him. So I'm saying, where is the country to protect her citizens? You know, from even those that were convicted, they're not protecting Did us. Did the from president them. give Eliran Malul? Uh... He's, he doesn't have seven years yet. It's four years since mm -hmm. uh, he murdered Michal. Is it in three common years, that you don't get from the president? No, this? they always, the only one who never gets is Igal Amir. Igal Amir. He's the only one. And mm -hmm. if you're a terrorist. I mean, if yeah. you kill... Although even uh, the family of uh, the murderer of the... Of, um, uh, I forgot the name, but uh, there is this uh, terrorist. She was a guest in our, in our podcast. Um, I remember Walid Daka, uh, murder of Moshe Tamam. He was also almost released uh, because he's an Israeli citizen. If you're a, a terrorist Israeli citizen, you also uh, get... Which, but, but to me, it's <clears> like, in a, in a way, and I know that it's like, we always get, I always get to this, like, what's worse? It's like at that point you can't really rate what's worse than what. But to me, it's almost worse than terrorism, because I don't know. I mean, you expect the terrorist to do terrorism, right? I mean, like you don't expect anything less of Hamas Nikim, or and not not saying they should be released or pardoned. I think they also deserve death. But but someone who murders their wife, often, sometimes they murder you know other family members. That's I think probably one of the worst things you can do. Before I want, to, uh, we don't have much time left. B before we talk about the NGO and the, some of the projects, um, I, w I have to ask you: like, uh, you obviously are very angry at the state, and uh, in Israel, I think the only way to fix that is to, to go to politics. So why don't you go to politics and fix it? I'm not there yet. Maybe in the future. Um, I would love to tell you that um, about what we what I do today. Okay. Michal Sela Forum. It's an NGO. Um, we have 15 workers. Uh, we have offices in Mevaseret Sion, and what we are doing is saving lives. We are saving lives with technology and innovation. We give solution. We are changing the discourse of domestic violence from a discourse of victimhood. Uh, to a discourse of uh, solidarity and uh, solutions, from problems to solutions. Um, we work with, um, we harness uh, new players into the field of domestic violence. We're thinking outside of the box and we are bringing the, the startup nation, uh, technological companies, high-tech companies, and homeland security experts. We sit them together with domestic violence experts and we develop new solutions to save lives. Um, I'm proud to tell you that today we have uh, 276 threatened women and another 900 children that in Michal Sela Forum we are protecting them. They are threatened women uh, that uh, the, the police and the welfare authorities, they know the, the, the threat 
and we are protecting them with a security private security companies and K9 security K9. Uh, the K9 is uh, uh, give them freedom for life because we give her the K9 for life. It's like Oket's uh, K9. Uh, they are trained and also she received um, a course from us. And in uh, another project called Michal's Watch, we give them uh, uh, in her house, we make her house a shelter. We put a camera and a panic button uh, and our phone a panic button. And uh, uh, there is a patrol 24 seven uh, from the security company. And we give her uh, 10 self-defense lessons and a lawyer office that sends a deterrent letter to the threatening party. So it's like an iron suit, an iron dome to the threatened women so she can be free, she can go to work, her children can go to school. She doesn't have to hide in a shelter. Those two solutions that save lives every day today in Michal Sela Forum, we sponsor them totally from donations. Uh, we had a collaboration, amazing collaboration with a previous, uh, previous uh, government uh, that was 50-50, 50% the Michal Sela Forum from donation and 50% the government. And it was very good. We are supposed to, uh, we will publish every day that we have a research with uh, the first chief scientist of the Ministry of Interior Defense that he was uh, doing the research on these two projects. And we found that it gives uh, security from physical attack and for emotional uh, and also from threats like WhatsApp threats on WhatsApp or um, trying to harm her. So all the research shows that uh, they are more safe and they can sleep at night and the children, they, they don't need to take medicine anymore uh, for anxiety because they have the canine in their, their home. It's also helping them with trauma, you know? Mm -hmm. And also the, um, the security company, it's a huge success. Uh, the, this current government, they stopped um, the collaboration, uh, unfortunately, although all the staff wanted to make it longer. Um, but we are still putting this, uh, we had uh, many good people that are donating Michal Sela Forum. So uh, this project is um, running very successfully and every woman that is coming to us is res uh, that she, we check uh, if she uh, going all the criteria, uh, she receive uh, protection. And as I said, we are collaborating with the police of I in Israel and with the Ministry of Welfare, we check as every story. So there is no waiting list. Everybody get protection uh, in Michal Sela Forum. And I'll just say, we also develop startups, technological solutions that can tell you that you might be at risk. For example, um, I'm suspecting that um, my partner is following, uh, spying me on my phone. How can I know? So there are technological tools that can tell you if somebody is spying on you. And um, there are many other solutions that are being developed uh, with Michal Sela Forum. We are um, encouraging uh, a high-tech uh, developer, um, engineers to invent and develop startups to save lives of women that suffer from domestic violence. We are looking the next ways, the next mobili uh, that will change the, this field and will have zero femicide per year. So I'm proud to say that uh, today um, we had 250 startup that, startups that were invented to save lives of women that suffer from domestic violence. And out of them, there are 21 that we are escorting them today in a program called Michal Sela Rooftop. And those startups, they are looking for their first believers, most of them. They're looking for uh, the seed money, the, the investors. Angels. 
So I invite if you're hearing us and maybe you know investors that would like to um, help those startups to take it another step forward, uh, we need you. So please contact us through uh, Michal Sela Forum website. Um, every help is blessed. We are building a new ecosystem of safe tech. You uh, accept so donations. What? You accept donations. Yes, we are an NGO and we have all the pyramids for um, Minal Takin. We are in Igula Tova in the credit card. Mm -hmm. and um, But also from abroad, people can donate, right? Everybody can uh, uh, bring donation through our website, Michal, uh, michalsela.org.il. Uh, we have also in English and in Hebrew website. And uh, we welcome every donation is saving lives. We are developing blue and white technologies and solutions with the best experts in Israel from the high-tech industry and the secure homeland security uh, experts. We develop together solutions and our goal is zero femicide per year. Saving lives is our mission. And as I said before, the patterns are the same patterns everywhere. And this is why I know that we can, we can win this. We can win this. We, Michal, could be with us today if we had uh, the tools that Michal Selaforum is developing today. Like Michal, many other victims, we can save them. We can send them for freedom. It's the, the freedom is there. The, the humanity, she's, we solved much harder issues than, and than this. So like other um, human phenomena that went away from the world, <clears throat> this phenomena, of uh, murdering women in their own home will will go over from the world will be history amen amen uh one last question i have to ask you i heard you talk about it and i think it's important to talk about it just for a couple of minutes C can it happen to anyone or is it more likely to happen to certain types of uh, people i think it's the same uh, answer to the question if somebody can con you for example to sell you a house that it's not existed some people will fall for this conning scam. Some people will know to see it in their eyes or to, they know to, to make the checks. So um, to be a victim of this kind of a relationship, is, it's a conning relationship. It's a conning marriage. He's a con. <clears throat> He's putting a mask. And if you are a per kind of person that knows to identify masks, so maybe you won't fall for this scam. But if uh, you're the kind of person that believe in people, like my sister, she believed in anyone. She believed, she believed in, in the good heart of every person. She was a social worker also in her soul. She, she once argued with her best friend. Her best friend said, there are some people that they are pure evil. And Michal said, no, in every person there is a good heart. In every person there is goodness. This was the kind of person Michal was, and um, it's the ideal victim for a predator. I, I also want, I, I got two last questions. Okay. Though. Um, one is, if you could tell us, Michal and uh, her murderer had a, a daughter. So what, what, what um, where is she today? And how, how does, how do you go about communicating i mean i don't know if she's at that age yet but have you thought about when she does reach the age how that will be communicated to her like how much has been shared with her until now if you tell can us share, a, tell us a little a bit private yeah, i don't know if it's yeah but if you can tell us a bit about 
she was eight months years old when it happened. Today she's five. She, uh, my sister Liat is raising her with her husband Yarden. She calls them uh, mommy and daddy. They adopted her. She's the fourth child from. She was Michal's uh, first born uh, daughter, uh, uh, only daughter. And she became from first born to number four of, of Liat and Yarden. And uh, she's happy. She, she reminds us of Michal, uh, the way she looks, the way she, she moves. And um, she's, she's growing in a very, very loving and warm uh, family and home from the day it happened. Liat was uh, immediately, <coughs> she took her that night. And since then, they are together, she, uh, unseparate, uh, unseparable. They're together and uh, she's happy. She has a good family. And then maybe if we could just uh, close out with, uh, you know, obviously this is the story of Michal's life that everybody knows. Oh, I, I, can I say another yeah. thing about the daughter? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, after it happened, they came to us from the welfare authorities and they told us you will be only foster family. And he's the father because he's alive. So he's the father and he will decide everything. He will decide uh, her name, her education. You need to come every week to visit him in jail. And I was shocked. I was like, what? I'm going to take my sister baby to jail every week after he murdered Michal. And I said, we can't allow this. And I, I promoted a bill and we succeeded to bring it in the Knesset and the bill. And we are the only country in the world that having this bill, which means the bill says um, the, the people that promoted it is Oded Forer and Gidon Saar. And it says if you murdered your wife or your husband, if you murder your partner, um, you lose guardianship on the children. Oh, and if, so also, if you try to murder, if you murder, if you try to murder or if you rape your children, so this is the three felonies. If you rape your children, if you murder your partner or try to murder your partner, you lose guardianship. And he lost guardianship on the on Michal's daughter. And we are the only amazing. country in the world. So I'm very proud in it's this amazing. law. So he's no longer the, the, his father. It's her surprising father. that we're the only country. But um, I want to I want to um, just end with like, like I said, this is probably the story that everybody knows about Michal, and uh, you know, and it's unfortunate that such a tragic moment in her life became kind of the moment that. So I I, I wanted to ask you if there's a moment you know from your lives together that you you know maybe a happy place that you go back to. What do you think about when you want to remember her in in a more positive light? When I think about Michal, I think positive. I think um, she was uh, colorful and happy. She was the kind of person that when there is a rain, she would go out to the rain and say, oh, it's so it's, it's great that there is raining. I love it. She with no umbrella. This was the kind of person she was. She liked the nature. She liked to draw. She liked to write. She was reading books. She was a people person. She had eight soulmates uh, that Today they are my friends, but who has eight soulmates? I mean, if you have one, you're lucky. Need a big so, soul. This is Michal. She was uh, zero judgmental. She saw. She worked with ambassadors and with simple people, and she see everyone the same. This was Michal. So when I think yeah. about her, I smile, um, and I will share you this small story that 
Um, I, I'm actually I have many stories, but I, I will tell about the way I rem uh, about remembering when I had to uh, decide about her grave. So I um, I thought in the beginning to do a grave that there is a broken rock in half and there is a tree going because she liked trees. And I drew it on a paper and then I showed it. Um, it was a Friday night. I went to I went near the synagogue where I live. And some women from my moshav stopped me and they were um, saying, we're sorry for your sister. And I showed them the paper and told them, look, I, decor I, I did a, a, a sketch of her grave. What do you think about this broken rock and the tree in the middle? And they told me, Lily, you are um, showing your pain. You're showing the murder with this grave. You should do a grave that shows Michal, what she was when she was alive, not the black ending. And I told him, you're right. And I threw it away and I did a new, a new sketch of a grave with a butterfly on it. Huge butterfly. And this is our grave today. So, um, and also our symbol in our logo of Michal Seloform, there are butterfly coming from her hair. So Michal was uh, a butterfly. This is our symbol, which means she was free person. She was colorful. She was loved by everyone. And uh, she, the feeling is that she's still with us, with everything we are doing. We are doing it together. She's with us. She's here. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Really appreciate it for sharing. <coughs> I think Michal is very lucky that you're her sister. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And Guys, uh, please. Yeah. Please donate. Uh, search. You can search Michal Sela Forum online. You go to michalsela.org.il um, and donate. Uh, prob your money could probably not go to a better cause. And uh, you do lectures also, so also people can lectures. contact them. Yes. Also abroad. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone.